You are listening to The Dish on Health IT, brought to you by Point of Care Partners, a leading health IT consultancy. Each episode will feature a rotating panel of senior consultants and guests who will talk about trends and innovations in health IT, while also highlighting how organizations can leverage these advances to solve their business problems. Today's episode focuses on application innovations in healthcare. Our panelists, Senior Health Information Technology Consultants Gary Austin and Ken Kleinberg, welcome guests Kurt Schiller and Mark Huey from ArcWeb, a Philadelphia-based software development firm working on a variety of software solutions in healthcare. The conversation today covers areas where APIs are being deployed, like patient scheduling, digital therapeutics to augment disease management, and rare disease diagnostic tools. The crew goes on to talk about effective approaches to innovation, key metrics of success, and how COVID-19 has been a driver towards accelerated innovation planning. I hope today's podcast helps you think about your next innovation project a little differently. We hope you'll share your topic ideas with us by emailing us at podcast at POCP.com. Good day, everyone, and welcome to the ongoing adventures of the Dish on Health IT. I'm your host, Gary Austin, affectionately known as Lumpy. And uh, coming to you now from the beautiful Finger Lakes region of upstate New York. Uh, We at Point of Care Partners are health IT consultants with 100 plus associates in over 35 states. We work across all stakeholder groups, payers, healthcare delivery, pharma, health IT vendors, and government agencies. And we're viewed as an independent, trusted party, the Switzerland of consultancy. With me on the Dish on Health IT is my co-host, Ken Kleinberg from the capital region of upstate New York. And we've got a couple of really great guests this episode as we focus on application innovation and accelerating solutions in the new API world. So Ken, how about a quick hello and some opening comments from your end? Thanks, uh, Ken Kleinberg here. I've focused my career on advanced and emerging technologies and I truly embrace my title here at Point of Care Partners as practice lead in innovative technologies. I was a systems analyst in the 80s and application development analyst in the 90s and a health IT industry analyst ever since. And I view health IT as a key component of advancing our struggling healthcare system. I'm really looking forward to the conversation today. Great, thanks for joining me, Ken. Uh, In addition to Ken and myself, uh, today we have as our guests coming from one of my uh, favorite urban hangouts of uh, Old City, Philadelphia, two principals with ArcWeb, a really innovative software application development and skunk workshop. Uh, Mark Huey is the principal consultant and Kurt Schiller is the head of marketing and leads healthcare research and strategy for the firm. And I think it's important to note, being a Red Sox fan as I am, uh, that this is not the same Kurt Schilling who uh, was instrumental <laughs> in winning the Sox their first World Series title in 100 years. So don't be confused by, by the names. Uh, just in case you, anyone... You wouldn't be the first person to make that mistake. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mark, why don't we start with you a little bit of your background, and then, uh, Kurt, we'll come back to you, and then we'll start and roll into some of our questioning. Mark? Sure, absolutely. Uh, as you said, I'm a principal consultant uh, at ArcWeb, um, which basically means that I lead uh, integrated project teams in a variety of engagements with our clients surrounding product strategy, design, development, um, you know, really the full life cycle of, uh, of software development uh, and, and how those products live. I spent about, uh, you know, a decade plus in my early career doing federal government consulting for uh, primarily the Department of Health and Human Services, lots of business process re-engineering, general management consulting and things like that, and then, and then moved into technology from there and um, been really kind of leading innovation efforts in healthcare for ArcWeb. So excited to be here. Great. Excellent. And Kurt? 
Yeah, so uh, like, like you mentioned, I'm I'm Kurt Schiller, and I am the head of marketing at ArcWeb. Um, and you know, I, I think uh, like is the case at a lot of companies like ours. You know, the the head of marketing does a lot more than than just marketing. I I started uh, originally actually as a technology journalist um, out of college, and uh, I, I covered the archival and library sciences um, in kind of the mid 2000s as they were ra- rapidly adopting technology. Then I transitioned over to working in content strategy and customer experience. Um, in consumer technology for a few years. I've been working in healthcare for about six years now. I worked for a couple of years uh, implementing digital experience for several regional managed care plans, um, working with the Medicaid patients and um, practitioners. And that was really where I started thinking deeply about the ways that technology and digital experiences can have a really massive impact on people's uh, health and lives. And I, you know, I continue to do that at at ArcWeb, uh, where I work on a variety of market and customer research. I also write extensively about changes in healthcare in general and digital health and health IT in particular. And I would say lately, I've been casting a very close look at the use of patient data and interoperability, especially where it intersects with the world of uh, software, which is where we live. Excellent, excellent. A, uh, a deep thinker and a communicator. You guys are a nice uh, nice bundle here to have as guests on our show. So let's get on with our discussion a bit. Uh, Ken, as we often do with your sort of broad lens on the market, can you set the stage around software innovation and impact of APIs and how we accelerate the industry? Well, sure. Uh, thanks, Gary. So let me start with uh, the enterprise electronic health record vendors. Uh, by saying that despite their enviable market share, their huge R&D budgets, uh, they really can't do everything for everybody, or at least they can't do it as fast as uh, many would like. Uh, And even if they wanted to, there have been so many advances in application development platforms and approaches uh, over these years that these current leading vendors are often basing their development on platforms that may be even a few decades old. Now, most have built out capabilities on some of the new mobile platforms, and most have provided proprietary APIs for third-party development. And granted, we've had this rise of the app stores, and that's made it easier for third parties to develop software that works with these EHRs. It's all been a plus. But in the end, these app store platforms have also been proprietary and they're controlled by the vendor. So make no mistake that these EHR vendors have been gatekeepers to what gets developed. And whether you want to call that information blocking or not, uh, well, that's up to you. Now, this year, of course, we've had a game changer via the CMS and ONC final rules. uh, We're going to see the rise and the mainstreaming of open APIs and the freeing of the data, if you will, at least from a read point of view, not necessarily uh, from a write point of view. But even so, for developers, this is a huge opportunity to, you know, call it nip around the edges or fill in the white spaces, create these custom capabilities, or even maybe boldly go where no EHR vendor has gone before. And we're talking about the opportunity to improve business processes and productivity, deliver marketplace innovation, Uh, And in particular, engage with patients and members with increased functionality, including stickiness and uh, user experience efficiency. Right. Yeah. Great overview, uh, Ken. The the age of uh, data blocking, I think, is shortly going to be behind us. So, Mark, I I thought we'd start with you. Um, You know, ArcWeb is in the world of uh, innovate and accelerate, right? That's probably a couple of good words to frame you guys up with. Not heavy enterprise production apps. So let's start with an overview from your perspective. Uh, Where do you see the opportunities for innovation and acceleration for health entities right now? 
It's funny you use the term acceleration um, because, because as, uh, as we've started to publicly talk about innovation and, and like where we think the important and salient points are um, in this space, I, I kind of blended my, my personal motorsports passion and, you know, I, ha- I happen to be a, an amateur race car driver and I really looked for this way to, to build on an analogy to try and make the message, you know, a little bit more palatable and entertaining when we're out there, you know, speaking to people about it. And so I, I kind of like used this, this analogy of race car driving and what it means to be a high performance race car driving team um, and perform well in these races and, and how we can associate some of the the lessons learned in that space to to where we are in innovation, um, even even in healthcare. So it's funny you use the term specific to to healthcare. You know, one of the things uh, that Ken just touched on was patient experience or you know user experience, and we've seen this blanket term patient experience been thrown around a, a lot lately. And really, what we're seeing is that. A lot of that effort, at least, is an acknowledgement of the fact that patient and user expectations are are drastically shifting. People are seeing these highly customized and personalized experiences in all the other aspects of technology in their lives, and they're wondering why, you know, healthcare, you know, one doctor doesn't know what the other doctor knows, um, and they're not sharing notes, and all these basic things about technology. And so that's really a lot of what we do is kind of focusing on that opportunity where as you indicated, also there's some regulatory pressure, you know, to, to start opening up some of this functionality. And so, you know, th- that whole patient experience, bridging that gap b- between how these processes were built around what was best for the provider or the organization. And now we really need to, to figure out like, what's the best for the patient? What makes it easier for them to consume the information that's important for them to be able to make decisions about their health? And the last point I'll, I'll make is that probably more importantly than where or what the innovation opportunities are and where they exist. More important than that is what we've been talking about, which is how to innovate. You can identify all the right places to innovate. And then if you're not really good at executing on that, on that mission, Mm -hmm. um, then it's all for naught. Right. So, um, and this is, you know, we're seeing, we've seen statistics like 80% of all innovation projects fail. You know, this is, these are, you know, reported polls by, by enterprise executives we see statistics like, you know, 55% of healthcare, you know, organization leaders are saying like, they don't even have a really good process for measuring whether their projects are, are succeeding or failing. And so that seems like, you know, a really big gap. You know, you can't address where we should be innovating without also addressing how we should be innovating. Yeah, good points, good points. I had a mentor of mine years back say, uh, tell me, actually, I don't, I don't pay you. I was a COBOL hacker back in the old days, God forbid. And he said, I don't don't really pay you for how much code you write. I pay you for how much code actually works. (laughs) And I I always kind of took that to heart. It's not volume, right? It's it's value. So uh, Kurt, what you, you have some really highly innovative customers out there, right? And you're you're leading edge with some of these firms that you're dealing with, different IDNs and health IT vendors and payers and whatnot. You know, without naming clients, give us an idea of a couple of sort of highly innovative projects you're either working on or you've discussed with your clients or are coming up uh, in your queue. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm I'm happy to to name some general clients. Uh, you know, as, as you say, it's it's a little bit tricky to to talk about current projects with with current clients. Sure. But you know, in, in a general sense, you know, you're 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 correct. ArcWeb has done a lot of work with, um, especially regional uh, healthcare delivery networks in and around Philadelphia. We've done a lot of work with uh, Penn Medicine and Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, both of which have you know significant integrated delivery um, networks with many many locations. Um, Chop sees upwards of a million patients or, or does upwards of a million outpatient visits a year. I, I, I would say that, you know, it, a, a lot of it, I would just echo what, what Mark was saying that, you know, it's a question of where where do they invest? There's so much that can be done right now with the adoption of, of technology. But three things I think that we're working on right now or, or have just, just finished working on that maybe nicely tee up three different areas where we are seeing a lot of innovation. So one of them is an online appointment scheduling project. And, you know, the it, it really speaks to the customer experience expectations in healthcare that, that Mark was mentioning. You know, customers or patients, you know, coming from consumer applications increasingly expect to be able to go to a website, find their doctor, book an appointment. And until very recently, that has been just not really something that was widely available. And it's not because of a technology barrier, it's because of a business barrier. It's because of a software architecture challenge. And and so, you know, that that patient experience, as big of a term as it is, is a really powerful thing that I think health systems in particular are looking to invest in and innovate in to bring these kind of typical consumer capabilities into the healthcare world because they are huge differentiators in a way that it, it previously hasn't been. You know, if if you have an option of Call someone and sit on the phone for twenty minutes, or go, or go to a website in two clicks, and and boom, it's it's done. You know, huge huge upside in terms of patient acquisition and in terms of patient experience overall outcomes. Another one is you know we're working on a data platform that's involved in a rare disease diagnosis, where we're we're trying to capture some of this data that has been stored electronically, but but not always in a way that is accessible or, or that can be harnessed for data applications. And we're working to surface that and make it more available to a greater number of clinicians so that they can, you know, better serve patients. And and this, I think, is this big drive right now to not try to automate humans out of healthcare, but to, to bring technology in and augment the capabilities of, of clinicians so that they can treat m- more people more efficiently and, and better than just a person could or or even, you know, multiple people could. And the last one is really interesting. It's something I'm very passionate about is we're working on uh, a digital therapeutic project right now where we're using, you know, consumer style apps to work towards behavioral uh, management for the direct treatment of healthcare conditions. Um, this is it's actually a, a spin-out project of a regional health network. And just the, the notion that technology itself, that the, that the experience itself can be a form of treatment, I think is something we're, that, that, you know, on the clinical side, people are very interested in. And on the consumer side, there's, there's a lot of demand for. And just, you know, on a personal level, I think it really speaks to the fact that, you know, you can have a direct and visible impact on on people's lives. So There's a ton of you know really exciting stuff going on in, in this this industry right now. It's very cool. It's a cool uh, several very cool projects that you guys are uh, are working on. So, uh, Mark, as the as the guy thinking up the solution architecture for a ton of these projects, do you have a very 
different perspective than a traditional production IT manager, you know, somebody who's keeping the lights on and occasional release update and things like that. When you have a discussion with a potential client, what, what goes through your creative mind? How do you think about bounding their ideas into something that can be delivered at a reasonable time frame, at a reasonable cost, with a reasonable level of risk versus, oh, I'd like to just take on the world here and, uh, you know, and build another, you know, SAP or something like that. How does your brain work when you're talking to clients like that? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. We, you know, very often, we're even engaging with clients before the ideas that they have are even fully baked, but, uh, and, and they need help with that. You know, but but regardless of how mature the ideas um, might be, it's really important for us to set those boundaries early on so that we don't get caught trying to boil the proverbial ocean. And uh, and so one of the things we do very early, basically at kickoff, is introduce the concept of the Iron Triangle, which you know essentially consists of the three primary factors that influence the the trajectory of a project. Um, that being scope budget, and time. And so we can optimize for any one of those three or potentially like a combination of a couple, but certainly not all three simultaneously. You know, ideally the client would love to, we want every feature that we've ever dreamed of and we want it to cost half of our available budget <laughs> and we want it delivered yesterday, right? Like that, you know, that's, that's the ideal and obviously we can't get there. And so we've got we've to establish a framework up front for talking about what are the priorities, right? And those are typically driven by some combination of business drivers, stakeholder expectations. You know, is there a deadline associated with this? Is there an absolutely do not exceed dollar amount? Or is it like a thing where we have as much money as we need and this thing's got to actually work? Like it's a, it's a beast of an application. We need all of the functionality, making sure we get all that done we're willing to take more money and take more time if we can get all of that scope. So, but we have to know what those, we have to know what those um, limitations are and what those expectations are so that we can talk about that front and tailor our recommendations and approach accordingly. When we get into it, like we, you know, we also typically, once we set those ex expectations, we also, as part of the implementation of the engagement, we will typically do a design phase first where we're, we don't have any engineers. We've got a software architect. Um, we've got somebody like me uh, that can talk about product strategy. And we've got a UX UI designer. And we try to rapidly iterate through designs. What is this thing going to look like? Does this, what do we need to do to, to achieve all the goals that, you know, that the user is going to have? And get all that stuff out on paper and fail a couple of times without writing a line of code first. Then when, once we get you know, solid on design, then we, then we ramp up the engineers and start building it. Got it. So let's dive a little bit deeper into that. You know, it's one thing to build a solution and, and wave the mission accomplished flag, right? But it's another thing to show that you have an actual ROI with it, either administratively or, or clinically. How, how does ArcWeb look to help their clients measure success over and above, I developed something? Yeah. So yeah, being able to point to success, like is, is one of the key messages that, that we point to when we're talking about like how to build an innovation framework. You've got to be able to measure what's going on. I mean, if you can't point to, we've moved the needle on something like right, we, we've improved patient experience. We've improved outcomes, you know, health outcomes. We've reduced costs. Like there's got to be a way to measure what you are investing in. Otherwise, What's the point of the investment? You know, 
part of that goes again, back to kickoff, like in discussing those business drivers and stakeholder expectations. Um, because those are the people really that need to ask, you know, when we get done with this and we're all high-fiving each other and breaking out the champagne, what is it that we're celebrating, right? Like what is, what does success look like to you in with regard to this engagement? And when you get people in one room talking about what success looks like to them, sometimes you find out not all of them were on the same page as to what success looked like. And it was really important to have that conversation and come together as a team, like for, you know, how, how are we going to march forward to, you know, to get these things done? I'm thinking about that uh, earlier remark about the percentage of innovative uh, applications that were considered failures, you know, by whose definition uh, it could have been that uh, they, they had a lot of great aspects to them. But if the expectations were too high at the beginning, then your, your track record may not look as good as it truly was. Yeah, or not even too high, but just different, right? Or not well quantified or, or whatnot, you know, and that sort of stuff. Kurt, Kurt, I'm curious, as your role as marketing lead there, when you get a new client and you have a successful app develop, right? Mark and his team does a great job. They pull it, the clients are happy and stuff. Did they tend to come back to you like, oh, we got another one? Or do they tend to come back to you like, we got 10 more we'd like to do? And you got to sort of throttle them back a little bit and, and stuff. So, you know, I, I think, um, you know, ArcWeb does probably about about half of our business is uh, strictly healthcare, and the other half is a mix of you know a variety of different different industries. And you know, outside of healthcare, it's it's often like we have this one project. It's a well defined business goal. I think that our experience in healthcare is that there are such an abundance of different ways that you can take innovation that it's it's very much that we have 10 ideas bouncing around. We're trying to get budget for all of them. We're trying to figure out which ones are going to have the, you know, the, the, the biggest impact. You know, certainly, certainly um, we love to advise people on how to, you know, exactly what Mark was talking about, build that innovation st- strategy out so that you can, you know, cunningly select which of those 10 projects you should be investing in. And, you know, the, the, the thing I would note about that is compared to our work on the consumer side, the different possible metrics of success can be, are so much more confounding in healthcare because like, like Mark said, it could be for clinical outcomes. It could be for revenue. It could be for patient acquisition. And those might be oppositely aligned. You might lower your revenue, but you need to get your HEDA score up or, or, or something. So you're, you're more care, you, you care more about clinical outcomes in this, in this moment. Whereas, you know, on the consumer side, you know, if you can generate revenue, I don't know a CEO who's going to be like, well, this isn't what I wanted. Um, in, in healthcare, <laughs> there's so many, you know, there's so many different more stakeholders with, with different, not always aligned expectations. But but certainly, I would say it, it probably drifts more towards the, the, we have 10 different things that we're investigating, which ones should we go towards? It's interesting. I, I suspect revenue is going to be, uh, top line revenue is going to be a whole lot more important post-COVID here, right? You know, as we come out of this, because everybody's lost three or four or five months worth of, you know, significant revenue, or certainly their high marginal revenue and things like that. Ken, you've done a lot of work with uh, uh, companies around, you know, how to measure measurement and things like that. Um, any, anything to weigh in here on that? you know, in terms of what companies need to do? Well, I was just thinking about, uh, you know, the concept uh, that's been used for decades, the balanced scorecard. And there is that 
fifth dimension that you could add to, to the usual four. And you, you could call it an innovation measure or an excitement measure or, you know, getting people motivated measure. So, you know, that's something you have to look at. In healthcare, you know, we could say it's more complicated than other industries. I think that's fair. So will only a handful of measures be enough? Uh, no, they won't. And uh, they're going to continue to change uh, over time. Got it. So on the balance scorecard, the this would excitement would be probably the blue light or something like that. I'm guessing, right? You'd have to have your own light for it. So I remember those big dashboard uh, uh, measurement things back in the uh, '90s there. So, um, so guys, let's talk a little bit about. Uh, so COVID changes everything, right? And and this has certainly been, I would think, for somebody like you guys, has been a real business driver because now all these companies, all these healthcare entities, are like, oh, I've got to be able to do this quick. I've got to be able to you know interact with public health. I've got to be able to move resources around faster. I've got to be able to do a lot of different things here. How how, how did this pandemic surface uh, critical rapid innovation for for you guys? How how do you think about it, and sort of what are you seeing out there? So, Kurt, maybe start with you, and then Mark, if you want to weigh in on this one too. Yeah, I I think you know you're you're absolutely right. It has been it has been a huge driver of um, thinking towards innovation. But I think one of the challenges that has come up is the the timeframes are so compressed. You know, the the impact on healthcare revenue was so dramatic that you know proposing a project that is oh, okay, it's going to take us ten to eighteen months to to get this you know. Uh, telehealth solution uh, 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 up and running, that was maybe not going to cut it. So I, I think in the past few months, we've probably seen a lot more investment in what can we rapidly put together that will deliver the clinical care that we need um, and won't be totally out of whack with what our technology expectations is. You know, you you don't want, we, we, we talk a lot about, about technical debt, which is always a big challenge in healthcare. This, this idea that if you kind of kick the, the can down the road technology wise, if you go for the most immediate short term easy solution, you're going to cause yourself more and more and more problems that, down the road. And I, I think you're starting to see this with a lot of the EHR decisions that ha- have been made over the past, you know, 15 to, to 20 years where it's like all of a sudden we're kind of stuck. We have this this burden of all these past decisions. But I think that given the short time frame, you can forgive a lot of health systems for just, for, you know, you have this enormous patient need, massively different healthcare and delivery expectations. And so they kind of had to do whatever they could to serve that need to get up these remote care options. I think that in the next 12 months is really probably where we're going to start seeing people being able to take a step back, hopefully, and say, okay, we got, we had to go by necessity necessity maybe a little bit off course from where we wanted to be with telehealth rollout to meet this this sudden drastic change how can we bring that back in line with a a kind of a, a more planned and thoughtful technology strategy so that we don't you know build ourselves into a stovepipe of technology where it's like we want to innovate but we also have this big complex system that doesn't align with that so i i think we haven't seen it yet got it Mark, how about from your perspective as sort of, you know, chief designer, chief, chief kind of, you know, solution architect? Yeah, I, um, you know, the thing that this really high, that, that COVID-19 um, really highlighted for me was the absolute necessity to have the, the kind of framework that we're, that we're talking about. Like, how do we, how do you separate the, the okay ideas from the really great ideas, you know, from the bad ideas and make sure that you're, directing money because even before this right budget resources time those were all limited resources 
that were not being well optimized in a lot of cases. And now we've exacerbated the, the budget problem because, you know, elective procedures got shut down and the revenue all went away. And what does that mean for the rest of the 2020 budget? What does it mean for the 2021 and beyond budgets, you know, for innovation? And if you didn't have a great system to be able to pick the right thing to do and focus on in the first place, now you're, now you're really on your back foot with regard to, you know, how do we make the best of the situation that we have? Got it. Good. Ken, thoughts there? It seemed like the bar was awfully low uh, for what uh, was being asked. Like, can you email a spreadsheet of your, you know, ICU capacity? With these modern environments, uh, I think it's possible to create uh, relatively high-functioning apps uh, that have great user interfaces that are connected to the right data sources that can do the kind of reporting and aggregation and so forth that people need to see in pretty short order. I mean, I remember back in the old days that you could create a a, a demo or a pilot, which was really just, uh, you know, mocking up the screen. And you ran that risk of the executive saying, oh, you know, that looks great. You know, you're done, right? And then you say, no, the real hard work has to go on behind it. But with the kind of app dev environments that we have today, uh, literally, when you've mocked this up, you've, you've got something that can can actually work. And now you can uh, add some scalability, uh, which also is, is fairly automated today and create something pretty powerful pretty rapidly. So I, I think times have really changed in that respect. Yeah, it's interesting. It feels to me when I, uh, I look at, and we do a lot of strategy work, obviously, and, and product roadmap and things like that. And I don't see a lot of firms that have sort of a set aside strategy for what their innovation is going to be. It's they have a strategy for their production operations and things like that. And oh, by the way, a couple things float up here and there around innovation rather than sort of a conscious strategy of, you know, where are we going to, what's the 10 things we're going to look at this year as to whether we can innovate and make a difference either administratively or clinically or from a consumer standpoint or or things like that. I, I don't see a lot of firms that consciously sort of do that. And it seems like a huge uh, opportunity loss to me. You know, in, in technology, I think in, in healthcare technology in particular, there's a big challenge right now structurally, I think, in a lot of health systems where, you know, if you look at the three areas where innovation could happen, you've got innovation labs, you've got the research side, and then you've got the kind of core IT ops. And the, the people in that kind of triangle there who have the, the clout and the resources, core IT ops and, and research, um, either don't have access to the core IT capabilities in the case of research or in the case of core IT, their their goal is, you know, data security and risk management. It is it is not driving innovation. A lot, so many healthcare systems have these powerful innovation labs that just don't have the resources or the access to, to be able to, to innovate. And I, I think that's that's part of the thing that we try to add value to is to to find ways to empower people within those systems but but to your point the the challenge is not the, the technology architecture it's the human and business architecture that that's the the big barrier right now yeah very fair very fair so guys this was a, a great conversation today i really appreciate both of you taking some time away from your uh, your day jobs there to, to chat with ken and i and uh you know in, in a phrase what would you say about innovation to you know a, a marketing lead or a product manager or 
or whatnot, either at a, you know, an IDN or a hospital system out there, or maybe a payer out there or a health IT vendor that's looking to innovate. Mark, let's start with you. Why don't you uh, give me a second? Well, you know, if you had to say one phrase to these guys or, or ladies uh, in terms of what they're going to do, what, what would you tell them? One, one phrase is always tough to boil it down to, right? But um, I'll actually, I'll steal a phrase that I've been uh, using in my presentations to, to close them with. And it's meant to be, you know, a little inspirational. And the, and the phrase I use is, as those responsible for bringing technology solutions to life that enhance the health and well-being of the people we serve, we should be unwilling to be less than we can be. Nice. Very nice. Kurt, how about from your end? My advice, especially when it comes to to, to innovation and the adoption of new technology, is, is always going to be the same, whether it's healthcare or somewhere else. And that's don't let yourself get distracted by shiny objects. There's so many different directions that innovation could go. People have been talking about blockchain and, and AI for a number of years. And those are awesome. They're cool. They're exciting. It's very cool to say that you're working on and deploying these solutions. That may not be what it takes to deliver better patient care. Don't overlook something just because it's 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 not exciting to talk about. It's the results that that could be exciting, especially when people's lives, you know, literally are are in the balance. Don't overlook technology just because it's boring. Interesting. Yeah, the Southwest Airlines model, right? You know, uh, you want to make more money, cue the people up ahead of time before the other people get off the plane, right? So, Ken, uh, closing words from you? That's, that's a good example. You, you think there are only so many ways to uh, load an airplane until you see the way Southwest did it. And it's like a lot of uh, innovative <laughs> ideas. It, you know, it seems like uh, there wasn't anything left to do. And then someone comes up with something that's so elegant. And you go, why didn't we think of this before? And I think innovation also uh, leads to more innovation. So when you're hanging out with, uh, with people like Mark and Kurt, then uh, you know, innovation is going to flow. Got it. Very, very good. Well, guys, thank you all for uh, joining us today. Uh, I much appreciate it. Um, that's our time for this edition of the Dish on Health IT. Many thanks to my co-host, Ken Kleinberg. Uh, and uh, hopefully next week, we'll welcome back Jocelyn Keegan to rejoin us. Uh, thanks to Mark Huey and Kurt Schiller from ArcWeb in uh, Old City, Philadelphia, for their great insight into healthcare software acceleration and innovation. Uh, we'll be back in a bit with the next edition. So please subscribe to us, whatever podcast carrier you use, Apple, Google, or whatever. If you have any speaker thoughts or if you have comments or suggestions on this podcast, please email us at podcast at pocp.com. Goodbye for now. And remember, health IT is a dish that's served hot. Good day, everyone. Thank you for listening. If your organization needs help understanding the fire landscape and developing or updating your interoperability roadmap to reflect requirements of the recent CMS and ONC rules, reach out to us at info at pocp.com. 